0: You know, you always have this conversation around art and science in business, right? So, And and you hear it in sales a lot. And I think really to be successful in in what I do and and to be successful in student works painting, there's a bit of a combination of both. So everyone's got their art, which is how they interact with people. It could be, you know, how they talk to people. It could be their mannerisms. But I think without the science aspect, and this is what I learned from you guys, from student works painting, from you and Chad and, and Jason, was the underlying methodology that you need to take to be successful requires a process. And so that process, doing repeatedly over time, is what drives success. You know, the other thing I learned from you is there's never such thing as a no. I always just hear maybe not now or I'll come back later, right, but I think one of the other fundamental things I learned is that, you know, you don't hear the no's, you hear the yes's, so if you got to knock on 50 doors to get the yes, well, you got the yes. Don't worry about the 49 no's.
1: Really excited to be bringing Steve Gruber on today. Long, long relationship with Steve over over twenty years. So uh, uh, Steve was involved. um, uh, Wilfred Laurier grad, got his MBA at Rotman, and he basically um, founded a company called Venture Accelerator Partners. And he's been working in that business for you know fourteen plus years, and basically. The business drives sales, marketing, and social media services to growing organizations. It's kind of a niche business working on on the sales and marketing side for businesses who really don't have the sales expertise that Steve has. Steve developed that sales expertise here and in a a number of organizations. I know you're going to love this podcast because Steve talks about the things that went really well. And the things that didn't go so well, sometimes things that he didn't do so well, that as a result the results weren't there. But sometimes just where the economy, the economic circumstances, the, the things were, were either booming or, or they weren't, and 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 starting to to, to get a sense of of, of sometimes. The things that will work really well in our business career and really make it easy for us to succeed, but then we should be aware that that's actually what's helping us succeed. And then also seeing, hey, sometimes we we actually may be doing all the right things, and it's just really tough right now to succeed. So I know you're going to love our pod today. Um, and Steve's just uh, an inspiring, uh, charismatic, hardworking guy. And um, again, you know what I'm looking for is is people like Steve. For our program you know and so if you know uh, any young leaders please send them to uh, leaderspodcast.ca slash apply please share our podcast um, leaders of tomorrow with them or you could actually uh, send me an email at chris at leaderspodcast.ca have yourself a fantastic day thanks so much steve welcome to the leaders of tomorrow podcast thanks chris i appreciate it very excited no yeah really excited and really really great i know we were chatting for a while before uh before we got started and really excited about about joining and i know we've we've had some interactions since you left the program a, a number of years ago uh, <laughs> um but yeah uh, yeah but it's really great i'm really excited to really dig in and sort of just see hey what happened to your career what 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 went on but Before our program, what were you like, Steve?
0: Oh, you know, I think before, um, listen, I always had, I think, a decent work ethic. Mm -hmm. uh, And and I think I've been working since I was, you know, I babysat from 10 years old and worked at a car wash at age 13, shoveling schlep out of the the, the pits. Right. And, you know, but I think I've always sort of wanted to, i say, be a bit more entrepreneurial, have my own thing. I never liked having a boss, per se. Yeah. Um, and you know, but again, I was blessed with uh, a really supportive family, number mm-hmm. one and a great work ethic. So, so I think those are the underpinnings of that make, to make a great successful person, right? right? I mean, you can't give someone motivation and you can't give someone drive. I think they inherently have to have some of that already, if not all of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I think, I, so I think, you, I think you're right. There's, there, there's no, you know, one thing, one thing I, that, that's, that's true is somebody doesn't motivate you, right? You right. motivate yourself. Now, maybe Absolutely. something that Steve tell, says motivates, like it's like, oh, that calls forth me and my feelings of motivation. But you're right, yep. like motivated people are motivated. And, yeah. and, 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 that's, and that's one thing that certainly everybody in our program who's successful has just because you can't 100%. do this and you can't do what you've done since our program without a whole bunch of motivation. Um, so, so what about frustrations? If you think back to, you know, sort of being a teen, teenager before you went to Laurier and joined our program and got involved in the student works management program, what were some frustrations
0: that you had? Biggest frustration? You know, I think for me, it was the uncertainty of what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think um, there's so much to do and not knowing even where to start. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it was, was in an odd way, you know, not challenging in the sense that it was, a, it, was, it was heavy to lift or move from a physical standpoint, but just, just mentally, what, I'm, what am I going to do? Like, right. where, you know, where, where do I go with my life? And I, you know, again, I was lucky. My father's a physician, but I never wanted to be a doctor. Right. You know, my mom was a nurse. I had no interest in, in medicine that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't really have, it's not like in your situation, your kids, you're an entrepreneur. You're like, well, my dad runs his own business. I get mm-hmm. it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I could, I could see what that means. So I think for me, it was, you know, just what does my what does it mean? What do I do? Who am I as a person? Right. You know, how sure. do I define myself as a person? How do I be successful as a person? Um, right and I think that was sort of my, my challenge. I, you know, I didn't have any insecurities around, you know, my beliefs or my core beliefs of who I was, but yeah, I think my, my, my biggest fear was, you know, am I going to be successful? And how do I do that? And right. What is it going to be? Yeah. What's good. What's going to look, what's going to look like. Yeah.
1: And so, yeah. so, so I know we had quite a run uh, together, at, you know, at, at student works, but you know um, what do you still rely on from the program and the things
0: you learned? You know, I got to be honest, Chris. I mean, I think Student Works pro- provided the, the fundamental uh, tools for me to be successful and even now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think number one, what it taught me is that I love selling. So I, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I have a sales, uh, sales, or a boutique sales company now. Yeah. And I, and I found out through Student Works that I love selling. Mm-hmm. And and that's from my passion for me. I love the the hunt. Right. Uh, I, I love the thrill, the chase. I love the clothes. Like I still right. get, even today, you know, you're talking, you know, what, 30 years later, I still love it. Right. Like I yeah. just, it's just, it's what I love to do. Yeah. And, yeah. but I but I think the the methodical approach that student works takes. So, you know, you always have this conversation around art and science in business, right? So, right. And, and you hear it in sales a lot. Right. And, and I think really to be successful in, in what I do and, and to be successful in student works pain, there's a bit of a combination of both. So right. everyone's got, you know, their art, which is how they interact with people. It could be, you know, how they talk to people. It could be their mannerisms. But I think without the science aspect, and this is what I learned from you guys, from student work being from you and Chad and, and Jason, was the underlying methodology that you need to take to be successful requires a process. Yes. Okay? Yeah. And so that process, doing it repeatedly over time, is what drives success. You know, the other thing I learned from you is there's never such thing as a no. Right. I always just hear maybe not now or come back (laughs) later. Right. But, but, but I think one of the other fundamental things I learned is that, you know, you don't hear the no's, you hear the yes's. So if you got to knock on 50 doors to get the yes, well, you got the yes. Don't worry about the 49 no's. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, but, but again, the the method, the the methodical process to get to that point is what I think is key because you, there's certain steps that you have to repeat in your daily life. That could be as simple as getting up, having a cup of coffee, putting the kettle on to make that coffee happen. You know, that's a, that's yeah. a successful step. But it's no different yeah. when you're running a business. So it's, you know, you have these processes in place that lead to success. So in Student Works Painting, it's well, we're gonna, teach you how to, we're gonna teach you how to paint. We're gonna teach you how to run a business. Yeah. We're gonna teach you how to hire people. We're gonna teach you what good people are. We're gonna teach you the fundamentals yeah. of paint technology. We're gonna teach you, you know, how to manage your budget. Right. We're going to teach Absolutely. you how to sell to other third parties, drive top line revenue, manage your expense flow to drive a profit. We're going to teach you how to do an estimate. That's all process. Yes, so, exactly. So what, you know, And so now today I've taken that process to all kinds of different things, but I think what that teaches you is a fundamental underlying, at least for me, I believe the fundamental underlying thing you gave me. And that's why that experience still resonates with me today is the process and the method, methodology provide that you need to, you know, in, I guess implement to be successful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I think you're that so, such a great point. Like, you know, underneath successful people are habits and processes, Correct. right? That just, just hold us up. You know, if you're, you know, if your habits are just powerful, like I woke up this morning and my wife was up first, so I made the bed. Yeah. It's looking good. I yeah. can send you a picture. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it. um yeah. so that's a, that's a habit that so- supports my life. You know, it's like okay, here's what we're going to do. This is how we how we show up. You know, again, there's no doubt you were going to show up on time. I'm sure you expected me to do the same. Mm-hmm. That's a habit, that's a process that I've been following and it supports, it makes things workable in your life. So that you can be successful. And then, obviously, what actually our conversation is going to be in the next 45 minutes will be unique, will be different. Mm. Uh, but even there, there's a process because I actually have some right. similar questions that I ask that actually elicit the type of podcast I want. So it really is fascinating how, how it's kind of more the more process we have, the more freedom we have. You know, well, it's, it kind of, it's kind of interesting well, how it, it runs. It is. So
0: I think process gives you the fundamental um, tool set to be successful, right? So you know, I was a big reader of Stephen Covey years ago. Um, yes. I, I still yes. think the Seven Habits of Highly uh, Successful People is a really great book that anyone should read. Yeah, um, I agree. And the the other thing that the process does is, I mean, it helped me be successful. So that's success and drove confidence that the confidence yeah. that you know I could take something. That had a zero start and make yeah. something of it, right? Myself, yeah. Where I had a tangible yeah. impact and drove tangible results for myself. It wasn't someone else's thing. It was again, it was student works pro- process, but without me going knocking on those doors, it never would have happen. Not right? going to so happen. Yeah. I think it's the so what that leads to is, and so then I go, okay, well, geez, you know, if I could build something from nothing, I could do it any time. Yes. And, and you have. And I have. And, 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 <laughs> and that is as simple as, you know, that's the firm I have now. It's when I went down to the States after Student Works Painting again in Boston, where, you know, I built up a UK based company or part of that division up to a multi million dollar operation. And even, even exporting ice wine to South Korea is something I do on the side for fun. And, right. and, you know, that was all through just, you know, looking for opportunities and knowing that, you know what, these things, you can make these things happen right? And, yeah, yeah. and I also believe, sorry, Chris, um, that whole teaching you give about knock on doors till you get a yes. I, yeah. I, I, I believe that is fundamental for another reason. I think the big reason is unless you keep knocking on the door, you don't keep getting knocked down, whatever the analogy is, you got to keep getting back up. But most people don't get back up more than once. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think in sales, you know, it what's this that eight to 13 touches before you get sort of anywhere, right? And, and, and why yeah. most people aren't successful in sales, they don't, they don't make more than one, sometimes more than two. The, the numbers yeah. are astronomically um, sad that way. But, but I think you don't know until you try. And so keep trying, yeah. right? I've had more, I, listen, yeah. I've had more failures than successes. You know, <laughs> if I look back, oh. like I've tried more things that, that, that have failed and that have been successful, but, I, but you gotta keep trying right like that's what yeah, to do yeah well and one of the things is once you have a success
1: then it keeps filling it For up sure. largely over time yeah. right like it's like i've had lots and lots of failures i have one amazing success this yeah. you know um and then within it loads and loads of failures and yeah. and so you're right like i think that commitment to just understand we're just going to go you know knock on this many doors we're going to send out this many flyers we're going to go to this many home shows we're going to talk to this many students you know to get one one great operator we do 20 meetings you know so it's like oh wow okay one great painter we do six meetings six interviews so it's so it's like that's the number so most people aren't willing to do the five to get the one willing to do the 19 to get the one right but but smart people go oh no that's just part of my work it's like, they'll see, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby or LeBron James on, on, on the TV and they'll go, wow, they're so good. Well, they're so good. Cause all the practice time Absolutely. they've been doing for decades, yes. that's why they're so good. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, Oh, how do they do that? Well, it's called practice, practice, practice yeah. and perfect practice. So, but Steve, tell us about, you know, post student works, um, you know, uh, why don't you walk us through, I've got your LinkedIn, um,
0: thing here. So why don't you
1: walk <laughs> us through what those opportunities were, what you learned, you know, you, you, Ovum. you know, yeah, tell so us about that Ovum,
0: uh, So that was another, so after, after student works painting, I went down, you know, I was in U S with you, right. Mm. Uh, I went back down again and worked for Ovum. was a UK based, uh, IT and telecoms research company, you know, so they right. had a satellite office in Boston. I started out there as a, you know, I just went down. Because I had no experience in IT or telecoms, you know, I had experience running businesses right. and doing, you know, sales, yes. but none of that, that's industry sector, right? So I had to start at the bottom. Yes. So I went down as an yeah. account executive and then, you know, we, we were selling to guys like at and and Lucent and Alcatel and all the sort of, you know, Bell Canada and RIM at the time, it yeah. you know, was growing and Cognos, yeah. all those sort of guys. And, and then over the course of what, three, four, four years, sort of built that up from, you know, account executive to account manager to senior account manager and have a team of people. Uh, awesome. working for me and then you know again interesting time there then the recession hit right so that's when the IT bubble right. burst in the late right. 90s and just I mean what a it wiped out you know a lot of the tech stuff in California and Boston and Massachusetts got wiped out yes like it was just a devastating blow uh, my VP got let go uh, my team got let go you know we had to, yeah. had to sort of re- I was fortunate because I've always you know I had a lot of sales in the book and a lot of repeat clients that I didn't lose my, my position. Um, right. But that, that was opening. the sense that, so, so the other, the other interesting thing about that time was, you know, I had buddies here who were teachers, you know, so now what I'm in my mid early twenties sort of thing, mid twenties at this point, I guess. Yep. And, and they're growing homes. And I was literally, although successful, I was living in a, a garden level apartment in Boston, right. right. That, you know, all right. I could see is people's feet. And I was like, Yeah. I was like, you know, I think I just want more. Like I don't, I, I, I just want, I want more. I'm tired. I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't, I wasn't upset about my, my place, but I just wanted more. And, uh, and so, um, and one thing,
1: one thing as well for our listeners, and then I'll come back our leaders listening is, is see how Steve made an, a, a really, uh, intelligent choice many people would have said go into this enormous industry that is exploding and it was at the time mm-hmm. and then it popped yeah, blew up. and so that is not something that steve could have could have y- you don't know these things no. and so in the end you know, Steve was doing well, um, and so so sorted through. But but these are things like these black swan type events. We don't know. No. They 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 just happen. Um, and sometimes we can have an idea of it. Sometimes people will see them, but most people won't. And 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 the but the reality is, the people who have the skills, who have the transferable skills, will be able to jump to something else. Correct. You know, and 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 so so good chance again. That VP who was who was in tech is now doing something else, really amazing. Yep. Just because because as long as again they have those skills, they have those habits, those processes, they'll they'll get grabbed. But. It's obviously it's not a not a good time.
0: It's kind of painful. It's not what we want, but sometimes it happens. Absolutely, no, so. absolutely, and you know. So then after, um, so so again, what are, Ash? An interesting point about that story is that when that when that downturn hit, the firm I worked for, they they were. I mean, again, European based, a little bit different mindset than I'd say the American sort of capitalistic, right. you're, you know, so yeah. in the States, if, if, if that, you know, if you're working for an American firm, they would just let you go, like you're done. Yes. So you're like, you're yeah. out. Here's a head, just a number on a piece of paper and it's run by the CFO and you're out. Yes. These guys were really interesting and I, it was a great cultural experience for me. So when things got tough, they had a big meeting, all the senior people took, you know, I think 30% pay cuts. Yeah, and then in order to retain as much staff as possible, because you know they had guys like me who, you know, a thirty percent pay cut, I wouldn't be able to pay my rent in Boston, right? Yes, sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So what, what? So then they asked everybody else if they take a ten percent pay cut, you know, to help the company go as long as we could to get through that, and retain as many yeah. as employees as possible. And I think everyone yeah. took it. Right. I think yeah. that was to me a a really. I mean it strikes me more now than it did then, you know, like as now yes. as an owner, having employees and having them, you know, and that it's, it's different. So like my own employees were, were, you know, I'm the one cutting the paycheck. Right. So it, it's yes, different, exactly. it's different. It's different now. And, and, it, and it, and it, and I remember talking to my business partner a couple of months ago, we were in Toronto. Um, you know, I meet him for dinner once, so we'd just go for dinner and drinks. Right. And yeah. And we had talked about, cause this was all starting to sort of happen just before the lockdown came. And, and that story struck me like, as a group, right? What to do as a company to try to make this work. So, you know, maybe I need to take a pay cut, right? To keep, to keep people going, right? Because absolutely. you invest in yes. these really great people and you work so yeah. hard to keep, like, so hard to get them to the point where you need them. And it's you a bet. crime. Like I don't want to, sh- and, yeah. and, and it would be a crime to let them go if I, unless I absolutely had to. And, yeah. and then you see too many firms shoot their feet off. Yeah for the sake of their they think they're keeping their head on but they're just they, once they blow their feet off they can't walk and they're done you're you're done and you're yeah. and so yeah. anyway that was an interesting cultural experience for me to see how again a european based firm would manage a crisis situation yes and yeah. and then how no. everyone rallied around that but but ultimately once that happened i sort of realized i was like listen i want more i want i want a mm-hmm. home i want mm-hmm. you know, I want these sort of things um at that time as well, my my uh, my my past wife, my ex-wife, was she was doing her master's in Boston as well. She had come down from Ottawa, um, and she was just finishing up her master's. And mm-hmm. I know the job market in Boston wasn't great for her, you know, and so right. it just made sense, more sense, to come back to Canada. So basically, I went to my boss and I said, "Listen," and she was a, a really nice lady. She was a Canadian, uh, funny enough, about right. a, from France, and. I said, listen, you have to double my salary or I'm leaving. In the middle of all this happening, like it was just, you know, there's <laughs> and she says, Whoa, whoa!" like she said, I said, I I, you know, I have these things, I have these goals for myself that you know, right. this has been a lot, this has been a great ride. I've been very successful. Yeah. I still had lots of great clients right. and had real good book of business. And I wasn't in fear of losing my job, but I just wasn't happy right. anymore. Like I wasn't being <laughs> fulfilled. And right. I sort of learned what I could. And and so she said, well, well, hold on. Don't, don't just leave. Like mm. let's, cause I was right. I had my resignation paper. I was ready to just to go. Like I was like gonna hand on our desk and right. say, Hey, it's been great. I love you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. And she was yeah. like, well, listen, don't, don't just go. Let's, let's think about this. And so we had, you know, some conversations about it. And so ultimately what I did, Chris, I came back to Canada. I set my own, my own business development company, I had my own sales company at that time, which is me. And yeah. they became my, they basically became my client. And Fantastic. Then I had the best of both worlds. So then I was then I basically built out the Canadian market further. Uh, I was getting paid in U.S. dollars, um, right? And um, and then I was winning on the exchange, and I was and I was yep. selling. I was going. I went gangbusters here for a number of years. And so then I brought in a couple other clients around that to make the CRA happy, right? So because you, you can't you right. have this yes, single client. Exactly. So I had a few other clients that I brought in, and I did that for. I'm gonna guess from 2002 ish to sort of 2005 or six, and then I decided I was right. gonna go do my executive MBA. Like I pack some money away, and i and right. it's like anything. I always had these. I felt you know I'd undergrad in business at a Laurier with, with, and right. that was that was fantastic. But I always felt I had these holes. You know, I was pretty good at sales. Well, I'm probably okay at marketing. I'd say pretty weak in finance, a little bit weak in stats. Right like just holes. And I was like, you know, I really want to fin- plug these holes to make myself a bit right. more of a holistic person. Right. Right. And so then, so I said, okay, so then I, then I embarked on doing my while working, doing my executive MBA at the same time. That was just before that happened. The, the tipping point really that pushed me into it was the, the company, my client in Boston, that was my former you know, employer. Yeah. Um, said, Steve, you're making, they basically I got a phone call one day. So Steve, you're making way too much money. I was making more money than everybody. That's exactly I so I was selling like crazy. And I was making more money than everybody. Like literally yeah. everybody. And I think I was making more money at that time. You know, than maybe the CEO, even I was making a lot of money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, Steve, <laughs> you're making too much money. And I was like, well, I'm making money because I'm successful. Like I'm selling. Exactly. Like, so I should be making money. This is what you pay exactly. me to do. I'm, I'm, yeah. you're, you're, you're winning. Yeah, you're winning. You're winning. I know. I was but, like, but, I, but it causes a problem. It causes a problem. It, problem. Sure. it did. It did. It caused a problem. Yes. Yeah. They said, well, listen, yeah, you, you know, we, we get that. Um, and it and, and was interesting, but they make research. So it's not like it's like um, they're not producing. A, it's like producing software in a way. Once it's written, mm-hmm. every time you sell it one more time, it just gets more valuable because the profit margin gets better. Like, exactly. Yeah, anyway. for sure. Long story short, it's like, Steve, listen, you're making too much money. You've been too successful for us. We're gonna cut your commission. We're gonna cut your commission in half. That was crazy like, no it, was, it yeah. was crazy. And this is again, another one of those lessons you learn. It was that company is run by, by non-sales guys. It was run yeah. by, at that yeah. point in time, it became run by the CFO and he's a numbers guy. Hey leaders. I hope
1: you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now, and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. Yeah, no, and it's, it's interesting. Well, a couple things, Steve. Number one, uh, for our leaders, this is a number of our past uh, successful uh, alumni have had experiences like Steve, working in organizations, looking to resign, and then them saying, no, here, come sell for us. Now, your experience is really pretty unique because that is not what a company should do. Now, again, renegotiate, look, hey, is there a way we could do this? But, but it's, it's, it's understanding, like you said, it's, it's you're creating value, and it's really be interesting to sort of say, well, when you left, um, how well were they doing three years later? Without they you there, it fell apart. Probably make you a whole lot, a whole less, lot less, right? It fell Absolutely, apart. It
0: fell apart. They yeah. they weren't able to. I mean, maybe in a good way for me and egotistically for me, they weren't able to replace me. And yes, exactly. You know, they 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 tried to replace me with someone who made a third of maybe half of what I made. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. like I mean, I'm still in touch with That was one of the. I met some great people there, just like with with you and with, with Grenier and yes. with, with Shuttleworth and yeah. some really, really great people full of wonderful character and integrity. And right. So I'm still in touch with them today. Friends with a bunch of them. Yes. You know, whether yeah. it be in Europe or they're in the States. And you know, but that was a really interesting defining moment, right? Where I was like, listen, we're gonna come up, we're gonna cut your commission in half and deal with it. Right. And I just said, Well, I'm not mm-hmm. dealing with it. See you later. And and that then, then then I you know I'd already been looking at the MBA like the executive MBA yeah. and I just I went into the executive MBA and then yeah my business partner now he was a former Lexmark guy he was had gone okay. to the president of Lexmark Canada didn't get it we actually went to a guy who's on our board of advisors now and uh, he then couldn't really stay anymore at Lexmark and so decided then to go off and do something different and he went uh, right. Allied International a big moving in you know, global relocation. Really, people Absolutely. think of it as moving. Allied, Allied's huge. Yeah, they think of it as yes. moving. So my business partner, Mark, then went there, and, and his job was to sort of rebuild the Ontario operation. It was bleeding money. They weren't doing well. Um, and so he had, he had reached out to me. He was a Laurier guy. He said, listen, Steve, and we've been in touch over the years. We're, we're friends. Um, yeah. and, and he said, listen, can you come give me a hand and rebuild this? I know you're doing your MBA. I know you got some other stuff on the side, but, you know, can you come give me a hand? And I was like, well, right. Yeah. I said, sure. You know, but, but listen, I've, I I think at that time I spent $75,000 on the executive MBA. And I said, listen, I've got these commitments. I just paid a whole lot of money to do my executive MBA. So as long as you're okay with me having this type of schedule with this much time off, you know, do all that stuff. I said, I'm good. And so we did that for about a year. And Mm -hmm. honestly, Chris, it was the worst business ever. I, it was so, what we found out was, so we weren't selling household goods moving. I was selling global relocation services. So that's like right. Magna opening up a plant in Brazil, sending 200 employees down at $80,000 a pop, you know, school right. find, visa house find, like all that stuff, like huge deals. Right. But that firm, again, you learn this while you're doing it. So this wasn't laid out to me when we started. Um, right. They, they had not a lot of business in Canada. Um, um, that was a private equity company that owned them out of Chicago, Allied and Allied. Yeah. And it was called Serva, I still remember. And, you know, so we were tasked with going and finding new business. And so we had won Ken Ross and Bank of Nova Scotia and a few others. But then we finally got to the point where there was, we, don't, we came in second more often than not. So what was interesting about that was, and again, this this, this wasn't aware, I wasn't aware of this when I started this job, but it was again, an interesting story was that I would do all the work to go get the The RFP, these are such big deals that go to RFP, but there's only three or four companies in the world that can service these things.
1: Right. Right.
0: We would get the RFP, but I had no say in the RFP writing. I had to send it down to a team in Chicago to write. I know I had no say. And so then I would write it and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to make any changes. Then I have to just give it back to the customer, the customer I had pitched and say, here's, here's our submission. Right. We kept coming in. So I won a couple, we kept coming in second and second, second is the worst place to come in. The yes. reason it's the worst place to come in is because if you're, if you're at least coming in last, you're probably not invited back into those negotiations. Those negotiations right. take an exceptional amount of time. It's not at meeting. These right. are such big deals that it's not, it's meeting after meeting, after meeting, after meeting. Right. Resource after resource. And so to come in second sucks because you're working so right. hard. You better off to come in last and just say, hey, we don't want you back. Yeah, move go, on. Go work yeah, on something, yeah, else. Work on something go, else. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they would come back and say, "Listen, Steve, we would really like this. Can, can you can you can you move a little bit on this or that?" And I'd have to say, "I'm sorry, I've got no flexibility at all." Wow. So that happened a few times. Then finally, I, I don't I don't remember what customer it was. We had we had worked some. I think it was a bank for. We worked them for a better part of nine months. Got the RFP. I got the RFP in. I sent it down to Chicago. And they got a call back and it says, we're not going to bid on it. I said, what do you mean we're not going to bid on it? And they were like, well, we don't think we're going to win it. I said, well, listen, like, you don't know. How, we, how do we know that if we don't actually bid and we spend nine months getting it? And this is what we're paid to do. Right. right. Yeah. Well, our, then, then our computer program tells us we're not going to win it. I was like, what computer program do you got? I said, well, we have a computer program that will tell us the probability of winning. I said, oh, yeah. I said, who wrote it? They said, our computer guys. I said, well, have your computer guys ever sold before? And they were like, well, no, our computer guys have never sold before. I said, how did your computer guys who have never sold before have done sales write a program on closing probabilities? Like, they, just, they just did. I was like, you're shitting. Me, I was like, you're, you're, you guys are crazy. I said, it makes yeah. no sense to me. And so then I yeah. and went and got my buddy, Mark, who was the VP. I said, Mark, we got a problem. We're no bidding on this deal. He's like, what yeah. do you mean we're no bidding? I was like, well, I'm told yeah. the computer guys what a, closing, a sales closing probability program. These guys have no experience selling and they're telling us we're not going to win it. Right. So we're not going to bid it at all. He not, no, it's no, got to be wrong. So he called down to Chicago and yeah, we were no bidding. And so then I went back to, right. so now, so now if you, if you hyper speed, I guess if you light speed back for a bit, Chris, so the, the, the connection here with my business now and, and that yeah. was two things. When I was in Boston working for the IT and telecoms company, when the internet bubble was inflating, what was interesting about right. that time was that we had all these firms coming in. They would raise like five or $10 million and they built a 5G widget. 5G is happening today. Right? Yes. Like, there, was wow. no, there was no, I mean, 4G happened a couple of years ago. There was not, in, in, the, in, the, in the late 90s, they had 4G technology that you drive around in vans at the big teleconference shows. But there was, and it wow. raised five or ten million dollars, but there's no way it was deployable in a network. So there's no revenue model. So what was interesting mm-hmm. about that time was that you had all this technology and these widgets being built, but there was no, no one to buy them, right? There was no go-to-market right. plan. They had raised. It was just it was an inflated bubble. With and so as a salesperson, sitting in those meetings, and I worked for these company was a group of analysts and consultants. You'd sit them. They tell you about the technology. But as a salesperson, I, I was always like, "Well, who's going to buy this?" Right. Like, like AT and T's not going to go buy two hundred thousand of these things. Like, they have no place to put them. Right. So my test one as a right. pilot, that's going to be three years in testing. Right. No market. There's no revenue. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So what was interesting again? Interesting. All those firms were run by engineers. Right. Who had no sales capacity. They had no idea what it even meant to sell. They just built great stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, right. then you tie in the Canadian commercialization dilemma, right? So Canadians typically are great at building stuff. We're really poor at selling it. I and mean, that's why you see all the right. community innovation factories and the, the innovation centers have been built right to support this sort of network. And so, so anyway, so I, you, you recognize there's these great pieces of technology that are built by engineers and they're not, they don't know how to sell them. It's missing the whole front end right. of business. Right. And, and then you go on well, Canada you know, uh, as a bit of a patriot, like, you know, we, we have same thing. We have great technology. It's not really good at selling it. Right. And so I said to my business partner, I said, listen, Mark, I've got this idea. Why don't we start it? So this is when this, this whole ally thing, no bid thing happened. I said, listen, you need to pack- package me out, man. This is crazy. Cause I can't do this anymore. Like this, it doesn't make any right. sense. Um, but I said, while you're packaging me, packaging me out, what, what if we start a new company? that works right. with growing Canadian technology companies on a part-time basis to help them sell. And we do the sales. And that's how this right. whole thing got started. Now you're 16 years later, but that's, that was the impetus of those things all coming together saying, listen, I recognize there's a market need. I'm a bit passionate. Yeah. About, I love selling. I have a skill set and, yeah. and, and how do I, how do I join together and to make a business? And in that right. first year, God, man, I think we made like, 35 I went from making lots of money to making $35,000 that we split. Like it was yes. brutal. Man. Like I had to call my dad <laughs> for help. <laughs> it was like and my wife who I just got married, we just had a baby. She's like, "What are you doing? You just did your MBA and now you're making no money. And now this and that." And then that was in '06. Then like right. a year and a half later the recession hit, right? right. And then the world stopped again. Right? And right. I've never worked so hard for so little my whole life. And right. we, I've never cold called more people from my own business than that year, like 2007 right. to, to 2008, you know, when eight and maybe yeah. even no to into Oh nine. And you know, we had a, I don't know if you follow football because we had a Tony Dungy moment. And, right. and Tony Dungy talked about when he left the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there was this line in the sand that sort of more or less, he was never going to come back to football after that, unless certain things materialized. And so we had drawn a line in the sand and we said, listen, if we don't close a, mark myself a couple more deals by October, like this is way too hard. Like we're just right. sucking wind here. Yeah. I'm boring money from my dad. It was brutal. Go, go get a go job. Get a job. Go, go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's right. And we yeah. worked yeah. our tail off, you know, for that better part of a year and a bit. And, and wouldn't, you know, um, and maybe it was a little bit divine, but September, the two months before we're going to shut her down end of October, new client. Right. Late September, another new client. October, right. another new client. I'm like, Yeah, we're we got a business. All right. Right. All right. And it's been sort of awesome. going I know, and it's been going sort of you know, it's been going well ever since, you know. And yeah, yeah. And we've just sort of grown we're, and grown and grown, and grown over years. Yeah but but it shows it shows for our young leaders like like there
1: are times where you're just going to face enormous headwinds in your business so your skill set was no different than when you were crushing it 2 years earlier no. right and when you're crushing it now you know so it's 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 recognizing just sometimes like you know it's the market's not available like you they just there's nobody there who can invest in that space yeah. right then so it's like, okay, what can we do? Can we, again, cut costs? You know, again, like you said, you know, borrow some money. Uh, you know, certainly I've had experiences like that. Okay, borrow some money. Let's get through this. Here, th- this this will work. And again, uh, like you said as well, sometimes just setting that, we've just got to push the shoot or pull the shoot. Yeah. down, right? That eventually we've got to go in another direction because maybe we're just kidding ourselves. Right. Maybe we're not right for this, Like right? Yeah. Ultimately, because remember leaders, the market decides, are you any good? The market will yeah, decide absolutely. because, because value, you know, profit follow, follows value. So if you're not offering value, there will be no profit.
0: Absolutely. So No, absolutely. I, and I think that's hundred percent accurate. Yeah, correct. So
1: for like, for our leaders, maybe, you know, cause I know you you know, what, what are some of the, what are some of the projects that, you, that you've worked on? You know, uh, how big's your organization now, Steve, just so, so our leaders get, get the scale of your business.
0: Yeah. So we, we, the organization now is still, I'd say we keep it relatively small, but purposefully. So I mm-hmm. would say, you know, we've got six people, Chris, it's a boutique mm-hmm. a sales and marketing company. And we, right. we do both. We, we only focus on certain select b2b sales opportunities and and right. i consider marketing sales support like i'm not marketing out doing tv ads you know marketing right. thing to me is is doing you know social media posts and managing social programs to drive inbound leads right it's it's right. Con- it's a content marketing program that drives sales right right and right and so we are fortunately I'd say pretty selective about who we pick. We're looking for people we think we yeah. can win with. I, we have a, yeah. a formula for what works for us. And that mm-hmm. typically is a client that has a, you know, a somewhat unique product in a, a niche, that's more niche, that's selling to you know, select segments. So you know, right. what I don't like and what we don't sell is you know, voice, guys selling, I'll give you an example, voice over IP software to companies like I, I don't i would never right. touch that that's 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 hor, it's horizontal in a sales approach it's it's highly commoditized there's no value yes. to be driven it's like selling moving services right so yeah, exactly it, yeah it's just price sensitive everyone's got the best quality you're comparing on qualitative metrics you you can't yeah. drive real roi value and yeah. um and then and then we look for we have a i'd say a mix of startups so they give pre-revenue mm-hmm. but funded startups yeah. As well as I say growing companies. But the growing companies would be no more, you know, no bigger than twenty million dollars. Typically what we find is firms, once they're bigger than twenty million, they can they can provide their own sales infrastructure.
1: Right? They they're gonna yeah, go yeah.
0: they're gonna go build it yeah. out, right? So it's like getting getting
1: somebody to there and then okay, great, we'll go build it out because because at smaller, it's like, oh wow, we can get some you know, a couple of real experts yep. and their team to go manage this so we can focus on, like you said, you, their engineering yeah. or, you know, yep. the, 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 product. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, no, it's, it's a really, it's a really great thing. And, and one thing to, to, to point out is, is that it's like really one of our philosophies is selling quality, not on price. Right. Mm-hmm. That's something yeah. that, you know, SOQ and OP. Yep. And so it's like, we always tell our operators, look, you can always sell for less. Yeah. There's no way we're going to teach you how to do that here, right? And so, so it's the same thing. You know, you're you're like, there's no way I'm going to be in a commoditized business. No. There's no money there no. unless you're Walmart, right? Oh. Unless you're you're a huge commoditizer, 100%. right? If that's, you know, or if Amazon. That's the business plan yeah. there,
0: right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But we, you know, we, I mean, we're not cheap. So I mean, not in a bad way. Like we 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 charge. You know, our- who wants to be right? cheap? So we're not cheap. We're for specific. <laughs> if you're cheap. You're poor. Right. And our our take is. <laughs> is if you don't have the budget to invest in your own business. So we, we've had a lot of people come and say, Hey, listen, can you work on commission only? And we just simply say, no. I said, the reason mm-hmm. being I'm not um, in the business of financing your business. I have no equity stake in your business and I'm not going to be the one who, who's taking that risk. Right? So if you want us right. to help you, it's going to cost you some money. And, right. it, and people say, well, can we give you, can you give me a guarantee? And so there's no guarantees in life on anything. I can't give you any guarantee. I'll sell mm-hmm. a single thing. Right. Examples, <laughs> lots of success right? But I don't yeah. know your business. I know my business, right? I know yeah. I can sell yeah. my business. I have lots of successes yeah. to talk about, but I don't know if yeah. your business has been successful because I've never done it. And clearly and you haven't right. either, right? That's why you're here looking right. for some help, right? So right. anyway, yeah, exactly. It.
1: I like that. I like that. And, and, you know, in that, and cause, cause again, that's something that can really impact your business. And obviously as well, you sort of say, Hey, we don't need to take anything on it commission. No, right? Because, because we've got other people who are willing to invest in us. And here's, the, here, here's, and obviously as well, I'm sure it's your, you've got
0: a commission. for sure uh, we top. Do. Yeah. So yeah. We, like, we, hey, they're going to invest. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we take a commission based on success for sure. Right. Cause I, yes, as much as I love the hourly rate stuff, uh, we have minimums that we employ. Um, you know, the hourly rate stuff pays the bills where you really see your, your win is on the leverage off the sales success, right? That's where you start getting your big, your big paydays. And that's what you, that's what obviously what you're building towards. So we're it's for. like, Hey,
1: I'm and and, and again, obviously as well, you're choosing clients on the basis of, wow, I could see this really, this really Correct. working. So yeah, yeah. I want to be part of this. Yeah. Right. So, um, so, so if you look back, what, what are your biggest, you know, failures or mistakes? Oh,
0: you know, um, <laughs> maybe being overly optimistic all the time, Chris, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I tend to glass is always more than half. My business partner says my glass is always three quarters full. <laughs> and I think, I, I think, you know, what, what, so why that's a problem? Well, why that's a problem is maybe more like you. Yeah. I skew the world that way. And like your wife, tend not to look at it as maybe a true realist. Right. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and that allows that that sort of leads me to maybe take unnecessary risks in certain other businesses. Yeah. You know, where yeah I'll put myself I'll extend myself um because I just believe Yes. that's gonna go. Yeah. Right. And and yeah. I and it's not even I don't have a you know, I don't quantitatively know it's gonna go. I just believe it's gonna go. You know, like yes. I have yeah, exactly. And, yeah, that's and right. Yeah. I, I think that is you know, that's one of the, one, that's, that's one of them for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I think maybe sometimes yeah. being, nope. being too, you know, I'm, I'm pretty trusting guy. I work with a lot of integrity. Um, I try to yeah. be honest, you know, I, and even give examples to be like, we always pay our suppliers first before we pay ourselves. I pay my, my employees right. before I pay myself. And yeah, yeah. And I think what's been hard to learn is that not a lot of people, op- not everybody operates that way for sure. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no.
1: And, and, you know, the whole optimism, obviously I suffer from the same and there's a gift and there's a curse, right. And to everything, every strength, there's a weakness, every weakness, there's a strength. And, and so, and that's why in partnership many times, that's why people seek out partners and to have that, that person who sees it differently. Okay, great. You know, okay, you know, and, and, you know, and maybe in some areas, you can see that they're, they've got the decision in that area, you know, you've got the decision in the other area, okay, here, we'll put Chris over here, and Steve over here, and our partners over there, you know, and that's really an advantage for us. Um, Because we'll never be, I'll never be able to think like a realist, like, or a pessimist, like, it's just not in me. No, you know, no, as I say, no one will put me in charge
0: of security, (laughs) you know. (laughs) No, but I think you're right. But I think having balance is critical yes. to success, right? Like, and I, and I think that's whether it be in your house with your spouse yeah. or your kids yeah. or your business partner or, or your business, like, because it's, about, mm-hmm. it's, it's really about risk mitigation, right? So yes. it's about understanding, yeah. um, the opportunities, but also understanding the risk and trying to find that kind of balance where just, where it just, it just works. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah.
1: So, so if someone was, uh, like thinking about your changes from being a university student to a business owner and value creator, what did you need to change your, change about yourself as you went through that, Steve?
0: Mm, that's a really, that's a, you know, that's a tough question. I think, um, you know, I think, I think Chris, when, when you're in university and at least when I was, you know, the world was always, um, uh, that's pretty rosy and I had a lot of fun I really enjoyed it I, I don't right and I'm not saying in a bad way because life through experience why you know elders are have wisdom right it's it's uh yes yeah I don't think I appreciated how hard or difficult it was to be successful um okay. and I, and I yeah. think you just sort of think it's going to materialize uh, yeah listen uh, working hard put the time in it's going to materialize but yeah. But the reality is, the the world throws a lot of things. So, 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 yeah. So then I was, you know, obviously I was still very optimistic, but I, I, but I, I, but I think I didn't quite see the the tough side of life, the real rough side of life. And maybe I was fortunate in my upbringing. Maybe it's just my personality. I was still young. Yeah. You know, you learn through. Yeah. You know, but then you go through some of the experiences we talked about, um, whether it be economic or personal. And you realize that life yeah. has some real sharp edges that can cut you and make you bleed, right? And, yeah. and then it's like, well, yeah. So, so, so now, although like you, I'm very optimistic, I am at the same time cautious in a way, right? right? Yeah. And, and, for sure. And, and I'm cautious because of my kids. I think I have a – so yeah. I think my, my fault in university was that I was um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, superhuman.
1: Yeah, yeah. Carefree. carefree. Things are going to work out for Steve. Right. Yeah.
0: I can do yeah. anything I want. Like it's, it's, you know, the world is my oyster. I'm not saying it's not my oyster. I'm saying, um, but being in the world of a real place with real consequence, there's a lot of stuff that happens that you got to keep your eye on that. I mean, is dangerous to your business is dangerous to your person is, 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 yeah. is, yeah. is challenging for you as a family to work on. And I think the, The reality of all that, from being sort of you know world is really rosy to you know where it is now, and and is is sort of what's been the big change for me. But not losing the optimism, right? Maybe just maybe just facing the optimism with with tempering it with some wisdom. Yeah.
1: No, I think you know it's interesting as well. And for our young leaders, like I I want you to hear what Steve has to say because I have a very similar perspective, and I want you to feel like you're superhuman. Yeah. I want you to feel like no, we're just going to go bust it because the time for risks are when you're young and the risks I took were crazy Um, and I lost a bunch but I recovered and now we're not taking any big risks we are just securing the base always and just because we got this 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 machine that runs and creates an enormous value and I know just like you were you know, look into your dad for backup support. Right. You know, my kids are looking to us, you know, and, and, and our community, we're looking to us and that's what we provide. Right. So it's like, it's kind of like it turns as, as you, as you become that older generation, it's like, no, you gotta, you gotta, you know, batten down the hatches and make sure everything's okay. Right. So, so I think, I think it's, but, but early on having that, let's go do this, let's go take some big
0: risks makes a lot well, of it was sense. fun i listen i i don't i yeah. don't regret i would do it all over again chris sure i have certain sure. things i want to do again you know that i mean <laughs> of <laughs> <Yeah>. course <laughs> certain but, but if, if if i look back i don't regret one thing i did in 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 the, in the entire experience i would do it all over again and, and when it comes to student works painting it really set the tone yeah. for my life and i'm not. Yeah, you know, I'm not being. Yeah. Um, I'm not not because we're on the podcast here talking to you, sure, And I'm sure. trying to make you feel better yeah. egotistically. I'm doing it because it's. it's I really mean it, and mm-hmm. it really, it really helped make me who I am. And and yeah, man, I I, I took you know you. I, I would never. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. At all yeah. Over. And so if someone wanted to do what you did, what key habits would they want to change? Would they want to steal from you? Uh, I think the, um, so I, I think one of the ones we've talked about repeatedly in this episode is um, be optimistic, right? I think you got to be a high mm-hmm. achiever. I think the only person who give you motivation is you. So that drive can't come from you. It can't come from the GMs. Yeah. It's got to come from here, yeah. right? So I think if you got yeah. the drive and you got the will, and then you'll, you'll be successful, you know, whether it be this or anything else you decide to do. But I think those are, those are key elements that will set you apart from the rest. And it won't be, you know, you're going to be in a room. You know, these people will be in a room of peers, right? Because yeah. I, I, I think when I look back at, you know, Chuck and I look at all the guys I did, it with Scott Dunlop, like all the guys. Yeah. These guys were I've more so successful well. than me, man. Like, I mean, these guys are superstars, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And you surround yourself with a room of really highly intelligent, highly motivated, highly driven people, yeah, could you think of a better place to be? Not really, no. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, thank you, and I, I, I agree, and certainly it's been that for me. So final
0: question, Steve, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? I think of, uh, again, I think more of, I think a leader of tomorrow, I think motivating, I think high, high level of integrity. I've always wanted to be a charismatic speaker, so I think i like a leader of tomorrow to be charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a Barack Obama style charismatic, all right? Right. All right. Um, I'm all about Barack. I, love, I sure. love him. But no, I think that's it. I, I think what we need is we need, and I, and I am encouraged, right? I, you know, We've got millennials working for me and we've got people at a university working for me. And uh, I'm encouraged by their care of the environment. I'm encouraged by mm-hmm. their care of people. I'm care, encouraged by their, their belief in social equality. And I think these are all hugely fundamental important things for us to just to be better as as a society as a whole globally. Well,
1: Well, you know, it's it's you know, I know I'm I'm a little older than you are, Steve, but you know we're better than we Absolutely. were decades ago. Yes. like we're better as a culture. We're better about what we think about uh, how fair we are. How 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 again, like again, environmentally, we're, we're better about how we think about it. We've and we've got lots of lots of challenges ahead of us, Absolutely. and lots of challenges here right now. But but um, you know, as a culture, you know, again, there's just no question we're better. Yeah. And and I think sometimes we we don't really think about that. We think about what's missing, which is good, by the way. It's always good. Like this is missing and that's missing. We need more of this or we need more of that. But God, certainly for me, we've seen real, real progress over the over the decades. So, um, But Steve, thank you so much for joining us on The Leaders of Tomorrow. Just a, an amazing conversation. I knew it would be and I'm really, really glad to have no, you Chris, on. Chris, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, cheers. Okay, okay you, you you be well. We'll
0: talk to you soon. Sounds good, Chris. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye.